We have now made our way to the 280th day of 2021, also doing business as October 7th. It's a Thursday, and this is the fourth day in a row for Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to bring you information about the area around and in Charlottesville. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, in the midst of a very busy week as local business falls into place as we head closer and closer to the election and the beginning of 2022. On today's show, locals weigh in on how redistricting would treat Albemarle when new legislative districts are approved. Albemarle County's Board of Supervisors gets an update on the comprehensive plan, and a management company has taken the majority stake in Apex Clean Energy. In today's subscriber-fueled public service announcement, lovers of used books rejoice! The Friends of the Jefferson Madison Regional Library have resumed the tradition of their annual fall book sale, which runs through October 10th at a new location. The Friends of the Library sale will take place at Albemarle Square Shopping Center from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. Half-price days come up on Saturday and Sunday. Questions? Visit jmrlfriends.org for more information. A company called the Ares Management Corporation has acquired a majority stake in the Charlottesville-based Apex Clean Energy, according to a release on BusinessWire. Here's a statement from the release. The transaction will provide Apex with additional equity growth capital as it seeks to transition to a pure play renewable energy independent power producer, or IPP. Apex has over $9 billion in utility-scale energy projects across the country. Ares has already been an investor on projects such as the construction of the largest single-phase, single-site wind facility in the country. Here's a description of Apex Clean Energy from the release. Through origination, construction, and operation of utility-scale wind, solar, and storage facilities, distributed energy resources, and green fuel technologies, Apex is expanding the renewable frontier across North America. The same management team will remain in place. Construction continues on their new headquarters in downtown Charlottesville. Jaunt has hired the head of the Metropolitan Tulsa Transit Authority to be its next chief executive officer. Ted Reek will start work on December 6th, and interim CEO Karen Davis will continue on as chief operating officer. In Tulsa, Reek oversees a public transit fleet that serves five communities and has a $23 million budget. According to the agenda for the most recent meeting of the authority's seven-member board, Reek has faced many of the same challenges facing transit agencies in our area, such as a shortage of people willing to be drivers, as well as COVID testing for employees. According to the minutes of the August meeting, Reek had announced his retirement from Tulsa to the board at that meeting. This is, of course, Tri-Transit Month, and this morning there was a stakeholder meeting for the Regional Transit Vision Plan that's underway. I'll have more on that in a future installment of the program. But all of the local transportation providers have banded together to produce a series of videos about how you can discover transit. The first one is called Calling In. Downtown Transit, how can I help you? Yeah, can you give me directions to Schofield where, uh, what's that, Costco, please? Oh, right. 
you can take the Route 7 or the 8. Where are you located at? Yeah, I'm coming down 29. I'm trying to go into Stone Bridge as we speak. All right, so you can catch the Route 7 or 8. Uh, both of them will take you right to Costco. Alright, thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. Take a look, and if you share it, use the hashtag BusOrBust on Twitter when you share it with all of your friends. Let's give this the Charlottesville community engagement bump. Sure, we can help you with that. What time would you like to be picked up? Yeah, I probably need to leave around 10 o'clock if that's okay. When the Albemarle supervisors met on Wednesday, Supervisor Ann Malik noted the passing of Lee Middleditch, a lawyer with a long history in Charlottesville affairs. He was 92. People of his and my parents' generation worked in so many different ways to build community here. Um, he was always focused on collaboration and finding solutions with people of all comers, all ages, all neighborhoods, all locations. Malik said that Middleditch organized an effort to improve transportation funding in the area in the mid-2000s. He also founded the PAC, the Planning and Coordination Council, to bring city, county, and UVA together to find solutions to local problems from the water supply plan to roadways to all sorts of other things that our local group, our group is dealing with today. The Planning and Coordination Council was disbanded in 2019 in favor of a closed-door body known as the Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee. There was an update on their efforts on the Board of Supervisors' consent agenda. Supervisor Liz Palmer noted that Middleditch was actively engaged in efforts to make this year's redistricting less partisan than in years past. That was under the One Virginia 2021 initiative. He also was instrumental in Virginia 2021 for redistricting um, revisions and getting that going. In a bit, we'll hear more about redistricting. There are some links to more that you can read on Middle Ditch's legacy in three different articles from UVA Law, one from Charlottesville Tomorrow, and one from The Daily Progress. In yesterday's newsletter, we heard about the beginnings of fire engine service from a fire station on Pantops at Station 16. I had hoped to get a quote in that newsletter from someone at the Board of Supervisors meeting when it was announced. And here it is from Supervisor Chair Ned Galloway. Having a full fire engine uh, along with ambulance station in Pantops, which is our second busiest area in the county, not only helps the immediate area of Pantops with this type of safety, but this impacts our entire system. So now that other places that are just in as busy of areas don't have to get pulled out and called over to, they can serve as the secondary or the backup to Station 16. For decades, Albemarle County has planned for growth and investments, such as the Pantops Public Safety Station, by concentrating residential development into designated areas. That's codified in the county's comprehensive plan, which was last adopted in July of 2015. Michaela Accardi is a senior planner with Albemarle County. The comprehensive plan, or the COP plan, establishes Admiral County's long-range vision that guides growth, development, and change for the next 20 years. The comprehensive plan serves as the basis for land development regulations and decisions such as rezonings and special use permits, capital improvements, new county programs, and the distribution of county budget dollars to programs and agencies. Earlier this year, the Board of Supervisors directed the next plan review to take place at the same time that changes are made to the county's zoning ordinance. Accardi said the comprehensive plan needs to be updated to reflect new initiatives and policies adopted by the county, 
many of which are summarized in a strategic plan adopted by the board in 2018. The board's strategic plan includes climate action planning, economic development, infrastructure planning, revitalizing aging neighborhoods, and expanding broadband. Economic development is codified in the Project Enable Plan. The Climate Action Plan was adopted last October. Housing Albemarle was adopted this past July. Now, the Comprehensive Plan has to be updated to reflect this general direction for the county. Finally, to further the county's commitment to providing the highest level of public service and enhancing the quality of life for all its residents, the the county's Office of Equity and Inclusion was created in 2018. Accardi said staff hopes to take from best practices in planning to integrate all of these into a new plan. One cited is Minneapolis 2040. Which reviewed the city's land uses and identified opportunities for a mixture of housing types and levels of affordability. Others include Richmond 300, a guide for growth, and Memphis 3.0. The latter has the tagline, In our third century, Memphis will build up, not out. Rachel Falkenstein is a planning manager with Albemarle, and she said the zoning review will take place over many phases with adoption of several steps at a time. Phase one will be focused on simplification and clarity of a few topics, such as use classifications and setbacks, and work on this phase, as many of you know, has already begun. Phase two of the zoning ordinance update will be intended to focus on resource preservation topics, such as dark skies, tree preservation, and historic preservation. Phase three would look at street standards in commercial and industrial zoning districts, and phase four will update residential and mixed-use zoning districts. Most of the presentation dealt with the scope of the comprehensive plan update. The first phase will take a look at the central cornerstone of the plan for decades. Phase one is called growth management policy and plan framework, and the goal of this phase is to review, evaluate, and if needed, update the growth management policy through the lenses of equity, climate action, and county capacity projections. Work is underway on this phase. The second phase will look at what other topics should be highlighted in the plan and a review of the existing plan. Phase three will see the creation of action steps for implementation. In phase three, we also intend to detail out each of our topics and determine how the topic goal should be implemented. And we'll identify metrics for each of our topics so that we can track progress moving forward. Phase four will bring the draft document together. Falkenstein said the goal is to have an updated document ready for adoption in the middle of 2024. More details will return to the board at their first meeting in November, when the board will have a work session on how community engagement for the plan review will take place. Supervisor Diantha McKeel supported the approach. I do like the targeted look at this at looking at specifics rather than trying to do a broad comprehensive plan review all at one time. I think this is absolutely the way to go. Supervisor Liz Palmer sought more specifics for what specific changes needed to be reviewed in the zoning ordinance as part of the process. Falkenstein had this answer. Our zoning map does not match our comp plan land use maps in a lot of places. And that's additional work or additional an additional step we could take to prioritize More details coming on November 3rd. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I really do appreciate you being here for the information. 
in another public service announcement supported by the audience. Want to take a tour of secret Charlottesville? On October 15th, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society will lead a tour based on author Mary Jean Oldham's new book, Secret Charlottesville, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. The tour begins at 7 p.m. and is free, though donations are encouraged. This book is available at New Dominion Bookshop. Email the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society to reserve your spot. There's a link in the newsletter. One more segment today. The Virginia Redistricting Commission next meets tomorrow after a week of public hearings in which participants were asked to weigh in on two different maps for both the 40 seats in the Virginia Senate as well as the 100-seat House of Delegates. So far, the 16-member commission has been unable to reach consensus between different versions produced by Democratic and Republican consultants. Yesterday, it was the Charlottesville area's turn to weigh in on the different maps. Here's Commissioner Sam Kamar of Alexandria, who chaired yesterday's public hearing. The most recent House delegates maps are A7 and B6. The most recent Senate maps are A5 and B4. You can take a look at the maps in a link in the newsletter to follow along. Under the A7 statewide map for the House of Delegates drawn by the Republican consultant, Albemarle County is split into three legislative districts. Northern Albemarle would be in the 74th district, along with all of Greene and some of Orange County. Charlottesville would be in the 75th district, along with much of Ivy and Albemarle County. Southern Albemarle would be in the 76th district, along with all of Amherst and Nelson counties. Under the B6 statewide map for the House of Delegates, drawn by the Democratic consultant, Albemarle is in two districts. Charlottesville would be in the 80th district with Central Eastern Albemarle. All of Albemarle County would be in the 81st district, along with a portion of Eastern Augusta County. Former Charlottesville Mayor Kay Slaughter went first during the public comment period to object to how Albemarle County was being treated under both plans. The Republican plan divides it into three districts. The Democratic plan makes it one district, which crosses the Blue Ridge to Augusta County. And while Augusta and Albemarle may share these beautiful mountains, they are not a community of interest. Neither does Albemarle share interests with the Lynchburg area, an hour to the south. Slaughter urged the commission to redraw the maps to include parts of Nelson, Fluvanna, or Green because they are all part of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. Currently, Albemarle's House delegation is split into four legislative districts. Albemarle County resident Michael Rodemeyer asked for a less fractured map. My plea to you is pretty simple. Keep Albemarle County together. Taken together, Albemarle County and Charlottesville almost make up enough population for two House of Delegate districts. We only need about another 12 to 13,000 people for, uh, for there to be a complete district here. Tim Hickey ran as a Democrat in the 59th district in 2019. He urged the commission to support a major theme in Map B6. Map B6 keeps Albemarle County as unified as possible by keeping us into two districts, not three, not four, two, and that has to be a non-negotiable. 
Hickey suggested that Albemarle be included with Nelson rather than Augusta, but that Amherst has nothing to do with either, despite the presence of US-29. I have spent a lot of time on that stretch of road. People in Amherst largely use it to go back and forth to Lynchburg. People in Nelson largely use it to go back and forth uh, to Charlottesville. When I was campaigning, people south of Nelson County, the voters, would routinely ask me if I was in the right place. They would say, we're, we're not in the same district as people in southern Albemarle. Edgar Lara of the group Sin Barreras said he could see a congressional district that included Albemarle and Augusta County. His family has lived in the Waynesboro era for over 20 years, and he lives in Albemarle. My community is primarily one of immigrants or children of immigrants, uh, with the majority of us speaking Spanish as our first language and working the same types of jobs. We have a similar culture and experience many of the same challenges um, in our communities of Virginia. Pete Costigan of Ruckersville also said that Augusta and Albemarle don't share enough interest to be in the same legislative district. Green County residents have more in com- have more common interests with Albemarle County than they do with either Page or Rockingham. Specifically, Green County residents largely drive to Al- uh, regularly drive to Albemarle for shopping and medical care. Under the A5 statewide map for the Senate drawn by the Republican consultant, Albemarle and Charlottesville would be within the 31st district, along with Nelson, Fluvanna, and Buckingham counties. The B4 statewide map drawn by the Democratic consultant is similar, but the 31st district would include Green rather than Nelson. The Virginia Redistricting Commission next meets tomorrow beginning at 9 a.m. You can visit virginiaredistricting.org to learn more. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you so much for being here as a listener. And if you do think that there is something in here that you think somebody else could learn from, please send it on to others. The way this operation grows is for you to continue sending it on to people who you think might benefit from this. I I am trying to reach as wide an audience as possible because I want people to have access to the information uh, as filtered through my career as a journalist. Um, This is a career that, of course, you guys are funding. There are now uh, about a good third of you, I would say, are supporting the business, which is fantastic. There's many ways to do that. Uh, One is through Substack, and as you know, Ting will match uh, those donations. There's also Patreon, which is a good way to support general things. Um, You get some extra information from that. That's that's more if you want to support the overall stuff and the experiments that I'm doing that are not just this newsletter. Um, And then there's other ways too. But uh, as I said, the most important thing to do would be to send it on to somebody else. I did work with Lee Middleditch. He was a board member at Charlottesville Tomorrow for most of the time that I was there. He joined in 2008 after I had been there for a year. Uh, I hadn't seen him for a couple of years, but uh, uh, my thoughts go out to his family. And of course, it's good to see the recognition of all of the things. Uh, He really was somebody that I did not know, but I know that I would not have been able to do the work that I do without the work that he has done. So uh, something to think of there. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'll be back in the future with another installment. See you then. Stay safe.